All right. Yeah, I like that little... That, that background music was really kind of cool, wasn't it? Yeah. Like you had a good vibe. <laughs> you are so awesome, Scott. Welcome, everybody. It is great to be together, isn't it? Man. Uh, some of us that uh, have gone over the years, gone to both services or like have switched back and forth, I don't think we feel it as much as, as the folks, uh, at least in this way, as the folks that uh, have been committed to the first service uh, and then those that have been committed to the second service. And actually, you kind of forget that some people haven't seen one another in uh, church together in years, some folks. So it's just so good uh, to get together to focus our attention and our energies to worship together, which is beautiful, powerful. Yeah, yeah so I think we're a little buzzy. Are, you, are we irritating you guys out here? Is it too loud? Are you all right? I know. You should never ask the question to so many people because some of you are like, yep, it's bothering me. The others are like, turn it up. I don't have my hearing aid in today. But we're going to talk about vibrant focus, everyone. Vibrant focus. So everybody, how focused is your life right now? Just consider that for a minute. Just consider how focused your life is at the moment. And uh, even that song that um, we were just let in, you know, put you first. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how focused are we right now? Just notice without judgment, uh, because what we know is, is that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world would be ever saved through Christ, that we would regularly be saved. Mercies are new over and over. But just, just notice um, what the focus of your life is right now and what you'd like it to be. Just notice that. Love these words from um, the Apostle Paul from a Philippian jail. He said, I am not saying that I have this all together. (laughs) Anybody say amen to that? Amen. Not saying I have this all together, that I have made it. But I'm well on my way. Can you just say to yourself, I am well on my way. Come on, you're on your way. Reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Beautiful. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself as an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal. Isn't that a good word? Mm -hmm. Getting our eye on the goal, where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm often running, and I'm not turning back. Can you just read that with me? I'm I'm often often running, running and and I'm not not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Would you read that with me? So let's keep Keep focused focused on on that that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. (laughs) How's that for a good word for us today? God can clear our blurred vision. If If we're seeing it another way, God can clear it. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. So we're going to talk about um, vibrant vision today and getting clear-eyed. Yeah, what a great scripture. Paul talks about us bringing our whole self to God and trusting that God, as we focus on our relationship with Jesus, that there is this development that happens. The truth is, um, when, when you think about it, is everything that you and I need to be our best self in, in Christ is already resident in us. We were born with it. So we start uh, with this journey in Christ um, that's not cyclical. 
it really is kind of like you move, the scripture says, from glory to glory. We move from development to development, right? Mm. So if everything you and I have or, or need uh, to, for us to become our best self is already resident, there's a couple of things that are important that we need to focus on. One thing is uh, we need to develop certain things in our life, right? That's part of it. The other thing is there's things that need to be drawn out in us. So as we bring our lives to Christ, God is busy in your life and mine, and this is what Paul's essentially saying here, drawing us out, drawing out our best self, moving us from and glory to glory. And getting the worst self Exactly, out of getting the, the worst stuff yeah. out, and then that's the development piece, mm-hmm. that there's some stuff that needs to go, there's some things that need to be trimmed and pruned. When you think about uh, just a good picture for this, and I love, we're going to talk about Gideon here in a second. But I love uh, that in Gideon, there's actually a portion of the scripture where Gideon is sitting under an oak tree. But an oak tree is a great example of your life and mine. An acorn has everything in it that it needs in order to become a great oak tree at some point. It needs the right environment, though. It needs the right conditions. It doesn't look like an oak tree. You can't even imagine what it's going to look like later. But it's got everything in it, every component. And so it is with your life and mine. So that's what we want to do is encourage one another in that process. So we are going to look at Gideon from the book of Judges. You can read about Gideon in Judges 6 through 8. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we love about Gideon is Gideon really um, is pretty cowardly. If you've ever read about Gideon, he actually had lots of fear issues. And um, he didn't even, he, his whole life was not perfect. So everybody just get comfortable because Gideon is no superstar in terms of being perfect. He's a human, a human that um, as a judge, and don't think about judges like Judge Judy. You're, you're thinking about judges. They're like the tribal chief. They are the chief person in charge of the group. And the judges were in charge of Israel before they ever had kings. And so lessons that we can learn from the life of Gideon are numerous, but big ones, overcoming fear, walking in faith, and remaining focused. But I want to tell you that the book of Judges is the seventh book in the Hebrew Bible. Here's one of the things that you want to know about it. It is this time that described when Israel was okay, and then when they spiraled out of control and just were sinning and doing all kinds of stuff. So actually, they would be great people of faith, and then it was what was called apostasy, like they'd fall away Mm -hmm. from the greatness of God, and they'd fall into the culture of that day. Um, One of the things that happened after Joshua, you know, helped them go into the promised land is these people were supposed to actually remove the evil uh, in that setting. Um, these, um, this kind of God worship, Baal worship, they sacrificed children on the altars of Baal. And so they were given this commission to drive evil away. And yet they participated in evil and many times took on the practices of the people that they were there to help convert to the ways of God, to help them know that God is holy, and which just means set apart, and they would lose their way. So we're going to look at Judges chapter 6 and begin with verse uh, 11. Yeah, so as Claire said, as we go into 11, what we're going to see is Gideon's life, and, and we started to talk about Gideon five weeks ago, so we would encourage you all to go back over the last, so the last Sunday of July, all of, the, all of the talks through August, kind of bring us to this day and where we're going forward. So we want to go back to Gideon to kind of finish up this whittling down 
uh, piece that we've been talking about and focusing. Because whittling down is really more about focusing, right? And that came it's, from our Second Kings 1032 scripture where it says that God whittled down Israel, which meant we were going from two services to one because God had something really important for us to hear all together as a church yeah. in this season. Yeah, so we start with Gideon, and one of the things we see with all of our lives that is connected, even if we don't want to appreciate this, is we all have fear. All of us have fear. It's just what we do with fear when it comes. And Gideon is a beautiful example that I think we can all relate to of, as Claire said, he had a lot of fear in his life, but ultimately responded pretty much the way uh, we can be encouraged to respond. So we see it right away in, in six. Maybe no other story in the Bible talks about one person's fear more than Gideon's story in Judges 6 and 7 and going into 8. Anyway, so uh, 6.11 says this. It says... Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak at Oprah, not Oprah, Ophrah, which belonged to, the, to Joash, the Abizarite, as his son Gideon, okay, so that's Gideon's dad, was beating out the wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So the first uh, Can element- we say that together? The Lord is, is with, with you, mighty, mighty warrior. warrior. Go ahead, tell somebody you're that mighty warrior. Come on. Okay. Yeah, so the first fear encounter that we see with Gideon is what's basically happened is Gideon's an Israelite. He's hiding in a wine press trying to get something to eat because the people are so oppressed. And he's really just hiding because there would be enemy armies that would come in. They'd let them grow their crops. And then when the crops were grown, they would come in and steal everything. Mm. So he's hiding, right? So he has to take this fear to God, um, hiding in a wine press. And God is faithful. It just speaks to all of us that in our fear, God is always faithful. And God sees our life far beyond the way we see it. Sees Gideon as a mighty warrior. Mm-hmm. So then it moves on in verse 13 and says, Stranger Gideon replied, speaking to the angel of the Lord, which is a picture of God. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Have you ever said that to God? (laughs) God, if you're with us, why did this happen? I I know nobody in here has ever said that. Right. And where are all these miracles? Because they had just talked about, the angel of the Lord had just talked about miracles that had happened over the centuries Uh, with them. Miracles our ancestors have told us about, such as when God brought us out of Egypt. Now the Lord has thrown us away and let the Midianites completely ruin us. So God, again, showing us that in our questions, in our honesty, because Gideon's being encouraged to look back over the history of his nation, his people, Um, And he says, well, that's great for them, but what about today, Mm -hmm. right? And as Claire said, have you ever felt that way? So that's what happens. So God meets us in this place of our question. Mm -hmm. But God does not want us just to stay in the question that has an answer. He again affirms to Gideon, you need to remember what's already happened, not only in your life, but in the history of the people that you're connected with. Mm -hmm. Because there's a treasure in there Mm -hmm. that happens uh, to help us with our fear. So this why us, why has this happened to us? It's important that we all remember where we came from. Mm -hmm. Now, he's reminded also, as Claire said uh, in verse 10, we don't have this up there, but he's reminded that the reason that we've come to this place 
The reason you've gotten to this place, Gideon, is because of the idolatrous worship that's gone on. You've built, you've built uh, idols before, and the people are in the midst of worshiping. And God said, I never committed to defending anybody that was in the midst of idol worship. So we see in 627, it goes on, it says, So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded. So basically what happens is there's this exchange. Gideon is invited by the angel of the Lord to tear down an idolatrous worship center, essentially. Which, by the way, was created by his father. <laughs> Joash Oops. was the one that made it. Uh-huh. So he's told in the midst of Have your fear. Have you ever fear, tried to tear down some things your daddy did? <laughs> right? I mean, we realize that forefathers have set up bad systems and foremothers have set up bad systems. And God sometimes is going to say, it doesn't matter if your mom or dad always thought like that. I'm asking you to turn it around. Yes. I'm asking you to tear it down because it's wrong. So we don't just say, yeah, well, our family's always been like that. It's like, well, okay, and now let's end it. Yeah. Amen? Isn't that good? So sometimes you've got to tear down your dad's altar. Yeah, you've got to rush into the thing that you're afraid of. And it's interesting because what the scripture tells us here is in verse 27, he says, so Gideon took 10 of his servants, basically 10 of his friends, close associates, and did as the Lord had commanded, but he did it at night. Everyone say at night. At night. So have you ever been there where you're in fear? Because he's in fear of the community, of the the city, the village, the people that are there. It's like, if I tear this thing down, if I do what I know is right, I know there's going to be this pushback. Now, it's easy to read this and think, well, Gideon, he's just really a wimp, right? But the truth is, is this is kind of a common thread with some amazing people in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Nehemiah, for instance, he goes at night and he examines the broken down walls of Jerusalem in the book of Nehemiah. Nick came at night too, yeah, Nick at night, it, Nicodemus. Right. Nicodemus came at night to talk to Jesus because mm-hmm. he didn't want anybody to see. So there's this fear that goes on in our life, but the, the point here is in spite of the fact that we want to do some things at night, that God is with us. If that's the most courage we can drum up, that moving toward God, God will be faithful. Obedience in the midst of our fear is critical. Obedience overarches our fear and God will be faithful to us in that. So Gideon's story goes on in verse 31, but talking about his, his dad, verse 31, but Joash, do we have that? There we go. But Joash retorted to the whole mob. So what's happened? They get to the morning. The mob is who's done this, who's torn down the altar. Um, they figure out that it's Gideon. Joash retorted to the whole mob because they're like, let's kill Gideon. They're going to kill Gideon now. He's made his step of faith. He's leaned into the fear. He's been obedient. And they're like, he's disobeying his dad. He is disobeying his dad. You can't disobey your dad. You can't dishonor your father. And so here he is. He says, what, does Baal need your help? So now Joash, it's like he's turning around because his son turned around. He says, does Baal need your help? Right? What an insult to a God. You are the ones who should die for insulting Baal. And if Baal is really a God, let him take care of himself and destroy the one who broke apart his altar. So he's actually got a little bit of, you know, like a a little bit of, not cynicism, but, you know, he's just being a smart aleck. Right? He's being a smart aleck. Yeah. And, and, and he's having a revelation. 
and it's such a, a it's a powerful principle for us. Mm-hmm. Gideon makes this stand, takes this act of obedience and faith in the midst of his fear. The fear begins to what he had feared begins to be realized because the the people in the village are wanting to, you know, end his life, and it's his father who actually built the altar who has a transformative moment in his life and has this revelation as he sees this altar torn down, instead of defending the altar that he has built up, God moves into his life and his life turns around. Right, and Here, his faith is infectious. Exactly. This is, this is my point. It is. Go for it. Are you ready for this? I am. You can teach an old dog new tricks. Why are you looking at me? Oh, when no, you say- I don't that. <laughs> No, you can. You can. Like, don't ever think somebody is never going to change. Yes. There are no lost causes, my friends. Mm-hmm. Any person that you've been thinking they're a lost cause, just check out Gideon's dad. Mm-hmm. Turn it around. He built the altars, and here is Gideon. He has faith that changes his dad. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Oh, breathe it in today, friends. Yeah. You've got somebody in your life that your faith can be infectious. So here's what happened last week. Scott and I, we were going to um, speak for Young Life Asia Pacific. We were raising funds for Young Life Asia Pacific. This is a youth ministry organization, mission organization, that is reaching the 60% of all of the world's youth in the world with the message of God's love which is so cool, right? So they're there. Okay, so we go, we're gonna do, um, we're gonna teach the Enneagram for this group of people to raise money for this mission. We're feeling really good about that. We had made some decisions ahead of time how we were gonna give, Mm -hmm. how we wanted to be a part of giving to them with our time, our talent, and our treasure. So Mm -hmm. we thought that was all set, all done, all done. So then we go to lunch with these two missionaries and we sit down with them and they tell us the story of this next step of faith they just took. And we're looking at these 30-something-year-old kids because they're kids to us. And we're like, wow. I mean, their faith was infectious. It was awesome. I felt so good at that table Mm -hmm. until we went home. And then Scott said, I really feel like God's speaking to us that we're to give all the money from the proceeds from our books at this conference to them. And I said, oh. Well, like their faith was really infectious when I was at the table with them. But then when we were in bed, he comes up with this. And I'm like, oh. And he said, well, you have a pause. You know, are you? And I, and I said, yeah, well, it's not because I don't think we should do it. It's just because like, I liked their faith at the table. <laughs> But, but here we are now, you're pushing me to my edge. And you're saying that this is going to cost me more than I, you know, anyway. So I'm just being real with you guys. That yes. ever happened to you? It's never okay. happened to Hello. any of us. But Hello. you go ahead with your story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, We've never, none of us have ever had, like, you know how you have, like, buyer's regret. This is, like, generosity, like, <laughs> generosity you know, regret. generosity regret, like... Maybe we shouldn't. So then he's, then I, then my, my lack of faith is infectious for him. And he's like, are, are you sure? Are you okay? Because I really kind of feel like God wants us to do that. Maybe but, I miss God after You know that. what I mean? Anyway. And, <laughs> and, um, and I said, and, and it just came out of my mouth before I could think about it. I just said, well, you can't outgive God. Amen. And um, so that was cool. That was really cool. So then he tells them, we're going to, here's what we're going to do. And they're like, Cool. 
<laughs> and, um, and so then um, we were at the workshop and somebody came up and I said, you know, Colorado's beautiful. Would you guys um, tell us where we could get on a ski lift to just be up in the air to see your mountains? Because it is so cool. And uh, you guys ever been to Colorado? Oh my gosh. Everybody has to go someday. By train, plane, automobile, bike across America, whatever you got to do. Right? Go, go speak for a mission agency. Whatever you got to do to get there. So there we are. And I say, can I get on a ski lift somewhere so I can see your mountains? And this lady goes, hang on just a minute. She starts looking at her phone. She said, you know, it's really interesting. So we have a house in the mountains. And um, the person got altitude sickness and went home. And we don't have anybody there if you guys would like to stay there. So I say to Scott, now we were going to probably stay at the Notel Motel or something like that. I don't know where he was taking us after he gave all our money away. <laughs> but, um, we didn't have a reservation. And so then she says, and I, and I said, so we could pay for that? And I'm thinking, I don't even know. She goes, oh, no, you can't pay for it. Which well, she, she meant right. two things. You can't pay for it. You, and you really can't it. pay for this. <laughs> You guys, this house was around the corner from Ralph Lauren in the mountains in Telluride. Slept 15, four stories. Yeah, we called our family and said, if you guys can get a plane ticket, you've got get to come here. here. Nobody showed up. It was up. ridiculous. We were sitting in the hot tub looking up at the stars. And by the way, there was a gondola that went from the top of the mountain down. The only free gondola in the country. Only free gondola in the country. And all, yeah. we're just like... Jesus made this. Jesus did this. Yeah. We, we went in the night and looked at the stars and worshipped. We went in the day and said, oh my gosh, God, you are so talented. It's amazing. You cannot outgive God. And I got to tell you, those kids' faith was contagious for yes. us. Yes. And then we couldn't outdo God. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? So, you know, get around yeah. people who have faith. Hang out with people who are going to stretch you, to t like this guy, you know? Hang out with people that say, hey, I think we should just give that away. And then watch what God will do for you. I'm not saying that God will do this if you do that, but what I will say is you can't outgive God. Right. And watch out how God would want to bless you in ways that you could never afford in any way. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And never underestimate how your generosity can trigger that in other people. It's just contagious. Share right? your story with people. If God has ever done anything good for you, make an appointment this week to call someone on the phone mm -hmm. that needs faith and tell them your story yeah. of God healing you, of God encouraging you, of God strengthening you, of God providing. Mm -hmm. It's infectious. So let's give God glory for that. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Woo! So then... Gideon's story goes on, this, all this cool stuff's going on. But when you begin to think, at this point, you've got to begin to think, how many times does Gideon bring his fear to God and God just meets Gideon at that space? I just so love that mm -hmm. about God, that he meets us in this place. And there really is this process when you pay attention to Gideon's story and our own story. It's part of how God matures us, right? Mm -hmm. Gideon's questions are becoming more substantial, I believe, as the story goes on of his life. So we move on, 
and we see the patience of God. So uh, in verse 36 says, and Gideon said to God, if you're really going to use me to save Israel as you promised, I know you've, in other words, I know you've done a bunch of other things, but can you prove it to me in this way? (laughs) I will put some wool on a threshing floor tonight. And if in the morning the fleece is wet and and the ground is dry, I will know that you're going to help me. And it happened just that way. When he got up the next morning, he pressed the fleece together and wrung out a whole bowl bowl full of water. Isn't that cool? That's so awesome. But then he says, don't get angry with me, but let's try it the opposite way tonight. Like the next day, he says, maybe we should do it where the ground is now going to be wet and the fleece will be dry. (laughs) And God does it. God is so patient with Mm. us. Isn't God patient with us when we bring our ridiculous at times and not so ridiculous fear? He's just This guy has great reason to be afraid. God is asking him to face a monumental task and a monumental army. Mm -hmm. He's just trying to make sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then there's the lonely whine of a leader. Uh, The Lord then said to Gideon, there are too many of you. They had 30,000 soldiers, by the way, when they were going to go in and get, eradicate this evil and child sacrifice, right? So there's too many of you. I can't let all of you fight the Midianites, and then the people of Israel will boast to me and say they saved themselves by their own strength. Send home any of your young men who are timid and frightened. So 22,000 of them left. It's interesting that Gideon's not included in the fearful group, though, even uh-huh. though he's fearful. Like, how did he make the cut? He's not one of the 22,000. He sticks it out. Yeah, and only 10,000 remained there who were willing to fight. But actually, it goes down to 300. So, seeing beyond yourselves. So Gideon assembled these guys to the water because God says, divide these guys into two groups and decide who's going with you by the way they drink water. Okay, this is really cool. You got to read all three chapters because you'll have fun. It's like, all right, so now you got this many people. Now we're going to get rid of some more fearful and timid people. And you're going to figure it out this way. Divide them into two groups. Decide by the way they drink. That's weird. And group one will be all the men who cup the water with their hands and get it to their mouths and lap it like dogs. And in group two will be those who kneel with their mouths in the stream and like, like drink like this. Okay? And so only 300 of the men drank from their hands and all the others with their mouths to the stream. So guess what? Everybody but 300 of them go home now. Why? Like, why is God deciding between guys that go, and guys that go, well, it might just be that when you're in this position and you're thirsty, all you can see is your own reflection. And all you are is self-focused on getting your own need met, your own thirst quenched. But when you're up here, you have a view of other people. You got enough? You got enough? You okay over there? I see you. I see you. We're together. Like my focus is not on me. My focus is on us. And there's something very different about an us factor than a me factor. Right? And so God's saying, I want the guys on the team that are looking at the people. And they are a part of an army. Yeah. So that's awesome. So then God says, Gideon comes back one more time. And God says, essentially, I see that you're still afraid. There's one more thing you can do. And it's really powerful. 
It says, the scripture says, During the night, with the Midianites camped in the valley just below, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, take your troops, and attack the Midianites, for I will cause you to defeat them. But if you're still afraid, first go to the enemy's camp alone. alone. Take along your servant, Pura, if you like, and listen to what they are saying down there. You will be gratefully or grateful. You will be greatly encouraged and eager to attack. So he took Pura and crept down into the darkness and the outposts of the enemy's camp. The vast armies of Midian, Amalek, and the other nations of the Mideast were crowded across the valley like locusts. Yes, like sand upon the seashore. And there were too many camels to even count. Gideon crept up to one of the tents just as the man inside had wakened from a nightmare that he was telling his tent mate about. Now remember, God sent him there. And the guy says, I had this strange dream. There was this huge loaf of barley bread and it came tumbling down into our camp and it hit our tent and knocked it flat. So the other guy decides he's going to give the interpretation. The other soldier replied, the tent mate, your dream can mean only one thing. Of course, it's a loaf of barley bread rolling down a hill, destroying tents. It means only one thing. Gideon, the son of Joash, the Israeli, is going to come and massacre all the allied forces of Midian. Now, I don't know about dream interpretation, but I don't know how he got that. Right? Now, Gideon is listening to this in the enemy camp. And there's a powerful, powerful principle. Listen, it is really important that you and I do not listen to the voice of the evil one when it comes to like tearing us down, like the enemy and, and even other people. Say, speaking things over your life that is destructive and harmful and maybe everybody in this room has had some that of that That is not God's life, voice. Right? However, God is so resourceful at the same time <laughs> He sends Gideon in to listen to the gossip that's going on in the enemy camp. And sometimes the most powerful encouragement you can get is the gossip and the junk that is being spoken about your life. Because here's the thing. Nobody gets jealous or speaks negatively over your life unless you've got something to offer. It's the fact that Gideon is bringing huge fear. Gideon doesn't even understand where God has brought him to in a place of influence and prominence. And perhaps none of us really understand Hmm. that the enemy fears you much more than we ever realized. So he hears this. The scripture says he's encouraged and they begin this chasing the enemy. Actually, what ends up happening is the enemy ends up destroying itself. The 300 people surround the the enemy armies, and God gives them a strategy. And without lifting a sword, the other people begin to kill one another and and go off on the run. And that's always the truth. Like, if we refuse to trust in our own might, Mm -hmm. just remember that evil will always devour itself. Yeah. Right? And we don't want to participate. We don't want to try to fight fire with fire or the devil with the devil or violence with violence. We right. want to see God do what only God can do. Yeah. If you read the rest of it, you're going to see that the enemy's on the run and it all had to do with clay pots and fire. 
you know, bread, clay pots, fire, lap like a dog. I mean, it is just not regular warfare. Mm-hmm. And neither is your life. Right. We are not in a position where we ever want to fight like the evil one does. Mm-hmm. We want to live as God intended us to live and live in the victory that God intended us to live in. And it doesn't come by might or by power, but by God's spirit. Mm -hmm. So when we think about the focus of Gideon, like he kept on the journey of growing up, God gave him the ability to obey and be responsible. Will you stand with us? Can we read this together from Galatians chapter six? Make a careful careful exploration exploration of who who you are and the the work work you have have been been given. given. And And then then sink yourself yourself into that. that. Don't Don't be impressed impressed with yourself. Don't Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Be very sure now you have been trained to self-sufficient maturity, that you enter into a generous common life with those who have trained you. Sharing Sharing all all the good good things things that you have and experience. Don't Don't be misled. No No one makes a fool of God. What What a person person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. And he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. Good word, right? Some of you may be familiar with that Galatians 6 scripture out of the King James. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that he shall also reap. If he sows to the flesh, of the flesh he will reap corruption. If he sows to the spirit, of the spirit will reap eternal life. But I have to tell you, I love the way Eugene Peterson, this beautiful scholar, is helping us realize responsibility. Churchill said it this way, the price of greatness is responsibility. There's a responsibility because God has invested things in us with time and talent and treasure, friends. You are like nobody else. The DNA in you, the genes in you can't be repeated. And if we could focus on putting God first, if we could focus on keeping our eyes on what God is doing as we're trying to satisfy our own thirst... We'll see what only God can do. So God, um, in this moment of just quiet in our own hearts, I pray that whatever word or phrase you spoke, not me, not Scott, but a word that you spoke, um, that would come to the surface for each one. And help them remember it. The greatness within them is being drawn out. What you have put in each of us, God, is by your own design. And I pray we'd keep our eyes on you. Put you first. And that our world would change as a result, keeping our eyes on you. I'll raise a hallelujah 
of Jesus, be blessed. Be blessed when fear wells up in your life. Pay attention to God. God is with you. God's strength is with you. God's presence and supernatural power be with you. As you go into this week, realize and live into the fullness God has for your life. And bring that infectious faith and courage that you have. Spread the good news of Jesus wherever you go on this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed, guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.